Hi, welcome to Down Stories. My name is William Levin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammer field and people who have a general interest in the topic. So today I am joined by Paul, who works at the co but he will explain his role further along the podcast. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thanks, thanks for the inv- uh, invitation, William. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go. So, can you just it, it, it introduce yourself and tell the viewers what you do for for a living? So, uh, I'm Paul Jarrod, and I'm Campaigns and Public Affairs Director at the Cooperative Group. You are the world's oldest co-op and the largest co-op in the UK. Um, that means that I essentially uh, face into government about issues that affect uh, the co-op. Uh, I've been there for about six years. Before that, I spent 20 years in Whitehall. Wow. So you've got a stammer, and we sort of come across each other on on social media, like we've sort of seen each other's work that we've been doing. So I'd love to talk to you and ask you about your stammer. How, when did you first realise that you had one, but how was it at, at, at a younger age? Um, so I've always known I've had a stammer. Um, I've always been aware of it. I remember very vividly going to speech therapy when I was about four or five, very young. Um, and it was it was more noticeable when I was younger. Um, but it was quite it was it was it wasn't a thing. It wasn't an issue because it it seemed quite normalised for me and quite accepted. So my mother uh, stammered. I've got other relatives who stammer. Really? So I was around people that stammered. So it wasn't unusual that I stammered. And also I grew up in a very tightly knit uh, community um, in Lancashire. You know, uh, I went to school with a small primary school. I, I went to I went to the school with all the brothers and sisters of my brothers and sisters. We all went to the Cub Scout group. We all went to the Catholic church. We had our own guild club, our own scout troop, our own football club. We were a very tightly knit community. And so in that sense, you just accepted everybody for who they were. So I always knew I had a stammer. I always knew there were words I struggled with. But it wasn't it wasn't a thing. For me, it wasn't a thing. I mean, I remember I remember very clearly though, uh, really clearly. And the first time I ever spoke in public um, was to do the first reading at 10.30 Mass at St Joseph's in Anderton uh, and I was in my full cub uniform and it was saying second Paul's second letter to Timothy which is I ran the good race I fought the good fight and I remember my mum really spending time with me practicing really practicing every line getting comfortable with every line and then just before we went to Mass and bear in mind in church that morning was just about everyone in the world that I knew I was only eight everyone in the world I knew was in that church and my mum said to me just look at me, don't take your eyes off me. I'll be where I always sit. And that first word, shout it, just to get just to get going, <clears throat> which is fine. So I, st- I, I stood up, I, I, I looked at mum and um, I shouted the first word. This is the, you know, reading according to. Of course, what my mum and me didn't work out was that there was a mic. So when I shouted into the mic, it's quite a small church, St. Joseph's. <laughs> and everybody in that church woke up. The, the old fellas at the back who were perhaps on the snooze soon woke up. But I remember that because I remember having to, with my mum, having to think about if I was speaking in public, being prepared, being ready, being really comfortable with what I was saying so I could concentrate on saying it. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. I, I just stammered it was just part it was just part of me well so it's sort of like you sort of grown up with stammering but not just yourself like you've grown up with stammering from, from like your mum stammering you've also yep. known other people who stammer so it's not like you're like I'm the only one who stammers in my family so it's not like I'm so it's quite unique and I'm like I don't have relatives who stammer but it's sort of like because you sort of grew up with it that was sort of the norm for you so have you had speech therapy? Yeah. What whatsoever? So I had speech therapy as a kid. Uh, I had speech therapy when I was young. Um, and bear in mind, I'm a good bit older than you, William, so this is in the 70s. Uh, the speech therapy that I remember it, my mum always quoted it back at me, was that um, it's interesting, though, because they said, you need to speak more slowly and more deliberately and breathe. 
And actually, if you look, if you, look, you know, speech therapy is now so much more sophisticated and helpful and useful. But you know, that breathing piece, you know, from speaking to other stammerers, is a really important part. But so, so that's what I had as speech therapy. I've never had speech therapy since, um, and I think partly because mum didn't want me to have have it because she thought probably right that you know I had to learn to be me and being me included a stammer at times wow and so what you've not had any like when you went into like work or when you sort of grown up through different stages going through school work so you've not had like refresher sort of so the only therapy you've had how often do you stammer now um so i stammer every day and i stammer um it gets worse if I am tired. It gets worse under great pressure. And it gets worse if there's a point of starting. That first word is often very difficult for me. I mean, I only really became aware that stammering was a thing when I went to senior school. And suddenly, you know, kids that I didn't know, I was the only kid from my school who went to that particular school. Uh, and suddenly it became a point of difference and it became a point of uh, kids being cruel. And suddenly it was, that's when I became aware of it. And and I remember at the time, not so much, I, did, I didn't do any therapy, but I remember thinking about the words that I struggled on or the sounds that I struggled on and tried to take them out of my vocabulary. You know, yeah. so in a sense it was it was self, self-management. Because, you know, um, and actually my stammer got better in my senior school because I think I was avoiding the words that I struggled with. You know, one of the words I often struggle with is hello. Yeah. It's a bit of a bad word to struggle with, but yeah, I do. But that's the same as being like, I find hello, it's really hard. So picking up the phone for me is my old smile because and then especially if it catches me off guard as well. So picking up, like when you hear the H, like sometimes the H is like the, eyes i find the eyes quite hard but i don't think people realize people who don't we sort of replace our words more than other people think we do so they're stammer friendly words and like sometimes it doesn't work in our favor like sometimes it just may not may may not make sense what we're trying to say but it's just a way of sort of avoiding the situation that could happen <coughs> and it's been really interesting like hearing how different people cope with that in different ways. So there, there was a YouTuber who I spoke to, and he's so he says that his his subscribers must think that he's a very very elaborate um, person because he uses very elaborate big words for whenever he describes his cars. But actually, to him, that's his technique of like of of coping with his stomach. And like, no, none of his viewers knew he had a stomach until he did a post about it because he was just saying the moment you, he put the camera on, he just changed the words and like you could barely tell that he's stammered at all. And, and, and it's interesting because people say to me, they'll hear me stammer and then they'll say, oh, I didn't know you had a stammer. I said, I've always had a stammer. Yeah. yeah. Like someone, like someone who, who cuts my hair, like she's been cutting my hair for years and like she had no idea until I told her that I had a stammer a few years ago. She, she was like, so I think we we are more self conscious about it than other yeah, people. Yeah. That we think, think we stammer more in our head than I think we do in in reality. And I think it's just mind games. Like sometimes, if there's a word like we know we're going to stammer on, we are think we think we're going to we know that we're going to stammer on. So that's all our mind is telling us. Like, oh, you're going to say that word. You're going to say that word. You're going to stammer saying that word. But actually. We may not stammer at all saying it, but it's just a build-up yeah, of yeah. thinking that we're going to stammer. Now, that sort of leads me on to my next question. Like, we've all had situations where it's been quite tough with a stammer, and like we've had certain situations where actually, when you look at your um, like times in school, so like, maybe less now, but like people have said nasty comments, or like certain situations have been harder than others. Can you tell me a time when you struggled with your stammer, but also how you overcame that situation? Um, 
my, I mean, I love my time at senior school. My best friends that I've got now are, are friends that I made when I was when I was oh, wow. 14 years of age, and I'm, and I'm 50 now. So, um, but there were t- there were tough times. Um, um, again, I'm, she will come up a lot. My mum was really important in this because um, she wouldn't let it beat me, and that's what she used to say, say to me. Uh, my dad was important as well. <laughs> my dad used to say because I play a lot of football, so if some kid was teasing me the previous the one particular day, next time I face him on a football pitch, I'll give him a good smack, you know. Because and that and that actually as a thirteen year old that that quite helped me. I think I think the bit that I I think what I grew into, and particularly when I started work, was um, in a sense it goes on from the self management is. I gave myself a break. Okay. I gave myself a break and thought, there's some words I struggle over. There's some words where it's obvious I stammer. There's some words where people might not notice that I've stammered. But in a sense, that's just me. If they have a problem with that, then fine. I, I'm not, I'm not going to change me. I always love the phrase from Oscar Wilde, be yourself because everybody else is taken. You know, so that's me. That's me. I stammer. Um, and that's it. And, if, and you know, and if people get trying to be smart, be s- smart about it. Well, honestly, by the time I got to sixteen, I'd heard most jokes about s- stammering. Um, you know, so so you just. I think I think I think externally, you probably grow a bit of a tougher skin. Yeah. But that, but that doesn't mean in private, in in your own head, it's not affecting you. So what I I got to the point I think of accepting me for me. Yeah, um, faults, um, good points, whatever. And part of me being me is that I stammer, and that's not a fault, it's just me. Um, and people can take it all or leave it. And if they have a problem with that, well then, that that's that, that's their bag. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take that, that, that on, on for them. Yeah, like you make a very good point, like building a thick skin over, like I think, because we're used to it, like I think we've taken our toll of like comments like we've had our fair share of like certain jokes or like why can't you say your own name what's wrong with your voice but but what or or whatever like we sort of build a thick skin but i think it's harder like some people may take that too much personally but sometimes i think when there's something that could happen any day if you don't even know the person I think it's something you just have to mentally prepare yourself for, but also just build that thicker skin because I, we've all had moments that have been harder than others. And it's just, it is tough. Like, we've all, like, the worst thing for me is when people finish my sentences and then it just makes me stammer more. And then they go, oh, when people roll their eyes and you think, do not do that at all. And I think, by that, there was a time that I mentioned in every episode that was that Big Street couldn't from a platform and when I asked for help the person rolled their eyes and I stammered and he then told me to F off because I had already asked him once and he FL did nothing about a complaint but also no one came to me after the situation to see if I was okay and the fact that he rolled his eyes when I stammered that was the main thing that did it for me rather than like him telling me to F off because I think it's just what's that extra two seconds stammer or those two second milliseconds going to do? Like, what's your rush? Like, there's people behind me, but we're still going to be talking for that extra two seconds. After we're still going to make up that time soon. So what's the point? And I think, I think it happens less when you're older. And but I think it does sadly. Like, actually, starting children today, you got report. And we said like between eighteen, between sixteen and twenty-four year year olds in in Britain, twenty-seven percent think it's okay to make fun of someone with a stammer, which is a very high percentage. But also, to someone who stammers, it's sort of believable. Like people who don't sound like that can't be the case. But to someone who stammers, we can all sort of go, "Yep, that that has happened." I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, I I remember growing up in the eighties. You know, one of the big BBC comedy programs, open all hours with with Ronnie Barker and David Jason, the main character, 
has a stammer. Arkwright has a stammer. And everyone laughs. And they're not laughing with Arkwright. They're laughing at Arkwright. And that's the whole joke. Now, I get humour is about, you know, there's an element of cruelty in humour. I understand that. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you did that for any other disability that you would, yeah. that would be accept, uh, acceptable. Um, and I guess um, I remember doing a speech, um, a big speech to about 600 people. And halfway through, I got to a word and I just had a moment, just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get it out. And at first, no one noticed. This is a big speech, lots of people. And then it was obvious that something was, ha was happening. But by that point in my life, I was probably in, in my early 40s, I could step back, have a drink, look around and start, and start again. If that had happened to me when I was 20, that those, and, that, and, that, and that process took about, that process of resetting, you know, you're stuck in a moment, so you step back, you drink a water, you do something, then you, and you reset. And that moment probably took about five, five seconds, four seconds. If I'd been a 20-year-old Paul Gerard, that would have been an eternity. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. I would have tried to carry on and, and it would have been a and, I, and it would have gone but more mature me, older me, more experienced me, went, okay, take a step back, water, reset, and start again. You know? But that yeah. that becomes, you know, it's that was that bit about accepting that's okay. You know? Yeah. And I like that's the main thing. I think we should just accept it and like it makes us who we are. And I think like I saw a really good quote that it, no matter how many times you have to say that, say that word, it is word, and it is worth repeating. No matter, no, no matter how many times you have to say it, it is worth repeating. But also, I saw a very good one that it makes so much sense that people will listen more to someone who stammers because of the effort that they're trying to say yeah. than the effort than someone who doesn't stammer because you will teach the world to listen in a different way. So I'd love to ask a quick question about when you play sport, how's your stammer in like team teamwork? Because I, yeah. I've been talking to different people about this and like they said that because of their fluency of like saying possible or whatever, like they don't stammer at all because of, of the adrenaline. How have you found it? Um, so I was always, not always, I often captain teams. Um, I was invariably the weakest player in the in, in the team but a good a good captain and good enough player so it wasn't a great football it was a decent football and a great football um what's interesting is that as a captain i very rarely stammered uh, i never stammer when i swear um and on a football pitch you swear quite often or i swear quite often so i don't stammer there and i think part of it is it's what you said before as you're building up a word the mental and that's often the problem in a football match for me on the cricket and I played a little bit of rugby and tennis or whatever but in football was my main sport it was very instinctive yeah and therefore you didn't have time to build it up and perhaps that's that's a learning that the more instinctive you can be the less you start to worry about it. now I don't think that's always true I think in a football match you've got adrenaline you've got physical activity there's a lot you know but but you answer the question I, I don't ever remember stammering on a football pitch wow and I it, it's really Weird yourself because so I was talking to someone from my team today about trying a dozen new language. I can't speak any language up from ink, and well, I can barely say this one. Uh, but she was like, See if you can see if you stammer in another language. And like, she was like, So I can tell that when you're thinking about it, you're overthinking a word that you're going to say you stammer, but when you just say it, you don't stammer at all. And it's like because you're seeing the word and like because you're repeating it and you're thinking about it. That's when you stammer, but when you just roll it off that sentence, that's when you don't stammer. And I was speaking to one of our guests called Sabrina Riso, and she's Italian, so her native language is Italian, but she is fluent in English, and she never, she rarely, rarely stammers speaking English compared to when she speaks Italian. And well, she, I'm, well, I'm I'm learning Italian, so I'm hoping that I don't stammer when I when I learn Italian because that might be quite nice. How how have you found like learning a new language with your stammer? Uh, it, it's I'm I'm not a great linguist. I'm not a great li li linguist. Um, I I can speak a smattering of Italian and French pretty badly with a pretty awful accent. 
I sound like a Mancunian speaking Italian and French, to be honest with you. So um, it hasn't really, it hasn't, the stammer hasn't affected me just because I'm just such a poor linguist. Like so many people have said, oh, learn a new language, just see if you start. And like some languages, like I am, so I'm moving to Barcelona for six weeks later this year, and I was looking at Spanish, like different words, and, and I was just saying, and this is my worst nightmare because lots of the, like, say hello starts with an H. And, like, so many things start with a worse letter <laughs> than my stammer. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, and it's either going, but some letters are silent. So when you see it, you look at the letters that we would make pronounce, but then some, it would be silent. And it is, but I was speaking to one, one of our previous guests and he's um, learning in, 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 in Indonesian because his wife's from there and he said the really funny thing is is that the word stammer in that language is has the two of the letters that he hates that he cannot say in English or in my language so he said I can't even say that I stammer <laughs> in in that language because yeah, yeah. it's got which I found hilarious just that the point that he couldn't even say that he stammers in the situation because it's got that pronunciation yeah, yeah so i'd love to talk to you about your job um yep. can can you explain what you do but also how your stamp affects you in an everyday scenario so um i spent 20 years in whitehall which means if i have any skills at all and experience it's on government parliament's work and in a sense having left whitehall i've left the civil service that's what i do for co-op i engage with speak to contact government, members of parliament, politicians, parliamentarians, whoever they may, may be, policymakers, about the things that the co-op cares about. Um, so that could be um, things to do with our commercial um, pressure. So it could be about, I don't know, business rates. It could be about um, new regulation. Uh, or it could be about the things that we campaign on. So we campaign on public policy issues. So we campaigned on issues of slavery, on issues of loneliness, on... Uh, climate justice on social mobility so i face into government to pol politicians policy makers and parliamentarians um, what that actually means if i'm honest with you is that speaking is my day job okay whether it's one-to-one -one, whether it's making sp speeches i've made speeches for the co-op in new york in the un in oslo in helsinki in paris all you know literally all over the world um, or it's giving evidence to parliamentary select committees. So earlier this year, I gave evidence to the Home Affairs Select Committee about a particular topic. Or actually, I do media. I do an awful lot of media interviews for a co-op. So my job is speaking. Um, and for someone with a stammer, you're really conscious. The ones I really hate are the live media interviews. I don't, I don't hate them per se, but I hate that opening question. When you've got to say, and actually, as you did, did start the podcast, hiya, Paul, I've got to say, hello, Paul, you know, and I, and I find other ways, it, it's great to be here, things that avoid the hedge. So um, my job is speaking, it's speaking either to one person, to 100 people, to a million people through the media, and I've got to be able to get out what I mean. And I guess what I've learned over 25 years now um, is... You've got to prepare. So I probably prepare more than most people because I want to be, and it goes back to what my mum said, to be, to, to be honest with you. You prepare, you prepare, you prepare. So I know my stuff. And that means that I'm not worried about what I'm saying. I'm, I can worry about how I say it. The second thing to do is whenever you're speaking, that's what my mum said when I was seven years old in St. Joseph's Church in Anderton, you look at one person particularly to start with, you just look at one person. So when I spoke, I think the biggest audience I spoke to was about 700, and I looked at one person. Took one person, and I was almost having a conversation with them. Uh, and then the last thing you do uh, is, and this is hard, but you attack that first word, or the first sentence of any bit, you go for it. You, you know, I, I remember doing media training, and this is a really good one. You told me media training, particularly not if you're doing live TV, it doesn't work. But if you're doing down-the-line radio or radio pre-record, 
stand up. In fact, stand on a table because it gets your body flowing, it gets your blood flowing, it, get, it gets energy. And A, it lifts your voice. Your voice gets more energetic. But for me, it gives me the oof to attack that first word, to attack that first sentence. And in a sense, you know, those three things that I do now to make sure, make sure I can do the job that the court needed to do and our members need me to do is what is is what my mum told me in 1977 or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah prepare you focus on a person and you attack that first word and then i guess the other thing that i've learned and i come back to what i said before i've learned to just to, to say you know i stammer so there'll be times that i stammer and that's it and if that's a problem and if, and if you roll your eyes at me i'll i'll either ignore you or i'll just look at you and say i'm, I'm sorry is there a problem so i am me now so and i'm and i'm you know but i'm 50. you know i've got to be comfortable with the fact that i stammer and I'm 50, you know. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I was lucky because I had my mum, who was an unbelievable woman. Uh, and I had people around me that meant that stammering wasn't an unknown thing. I knew people that stammered. And I worry, you know, like you said, William, you're the only person growing up who stammered. And that, that can be quite isolating, I think. Wow. And it's really fascinating to hear about your role, but also... Like, I think people realise that. I, I've spoken to a few people who's, who serve but are in a public speaking role, and they say it's just one of those things that people don't really expect someone with a stammer to be in a public speaking role. Yep. And, like, when I was talking to Ed Balls, and he was like, the last person you would expect would be, would be a politician who yep. stammers. But he said, it's actually helped me with myself, like prepare my speeches, like be who I am. And like he didn't know he stammered until he was in a cabinet, and he was just saying how I actually don't think how I would be able. Like he's recently been doing like a morning Britain, and he was saying that before he would have hated doing every teleprompter and like having a second ear, a second person talking through his ear. And he said, but now because I'm upfront about my stammer, I say I do stammer nothing's wrong with the microphone or I do and he's like just owning it straight away just helps must be I think that's right I think that's right and I, and I think Ed is a and I don't know Ed although I worked I worked in the treasury when he was in the treasury um I think but well, I think Ed Balls is a really good example of someone who um one of the things I always remember as a kid one, one of the jibes that people used to throw at me was that you are stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you stammer, you can't speak, you, you're stupid. And I think if you're a younger person now and you're seeing people like Ed Bowles, who's, you know, probably one of the most ferocious, intelligent people I've ever come come across, I think you can see pe that, you know, that I think, I think people like Ed are important because they say to people that stammer, it's okay, other people stammer, fine. You know, other people are bold and, you know, it's part of you. It's part of you. Just just find a way to manage it so that you are comfortable with you. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And it, some, when I was in a media interview with Estonians, who was your role model growing up, and I said, to be honest, all the stammering role models, apart from Ed, Ed, Ed Bulls, are sort of from a past, like, King George, or, well, I guess people now have Joe Biden being a president, but when I was younger, I, there weren't many role models, and I said, one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is to show that, having a stammer to show that there are people out there with a stammer doing things when you shouldn't let, let it hold you back, but that was one of the main drives of the podcast, to show that there are people out there who are journalists at the BBC, or people like you who are senior at at big companies to show that people with a stammer haven't let it hold them back and nor should you hold you back. And I think with Joe Biden, if he's so if you're nervous about doing a school presentation thing, Joe Biden's talking to the nation on the white yeah. front with a stammer. That couldn't be better motivation than for you to do your presentation. And I think there's just a lack of role model. And I was talking to to my PR team who I work with and she was saying, well, 
there are certain role models for certain different aspects. So like you've got Katie Piper, who's a role model for like people who wear skin. You've got people, there's certain people for different aspects. Like she said, when I was looking at your story, you don't really have a role model. Like you can't really reference to someone present. You can reference onto a past, but sometimes it's helpful seeing someone from a present who's currently going through everything that they're going through, like through a pandemic. Or and but she said it's it's fascinating how that side of it is not spoken about. Like Nicole Kidman, Ed Sheeran as a yeah. stammer, and that sort of leads me on to my next question. When you think of someone famous who stammers, who do you think of and why? It's uh, a good question. Um, my role model as a kid was mum. So mum stammered and, never, and it never held, held her back. Um, when I was a kid, anybody else that stammered was a point of fun. They were, they were a joke. Um, now, <clears throat> um, I, think, I think Biden's interesting. Because I think Biden um, isn't isn't a sort of evangelist for it. He doesn't hide it, you know. He doesn't hide it. So I'm I'm not sure. I would say I have a role model. Uh, I think I need to be the best that I can be. And in and actually, in being very honest about, you know, I have a stammer and some words I'm going to struggle over, and you're probably going to hear me stammer. That I think might help people other people not just younger people actually but people my age who probably grew up like i did were the only people who stammered that you ever heard from were points of mockery and they might see someone of their generation or you know and say oh actually having a stammer is fine it's just having a stammer yeah and i think it's just just owning your stand the saying and even if you're nervous about how people may feel to say that you have a stomach like during a job interview i had a assessment day for the itv apprenticeship scheme and i said before we were doing this presentation and i said to the person doing the interview and i just said just let you know i do stammer and and then she said i've been watching you the whole day and i would never have known at all and but the interesting thing was for feedback that i didn't get a job was that i came across nervous and i think looking back that nervous they probably saw my stammer as nerves yeah and which people do stammer when they're nervous but i think you shouldn't assume that someone with a stammer will be nervous and, and it was just really fascinating how over the years it sort of clicked and like i didn't mind and like they gave me some other feedback as well but i think when i told my company literally my first paragraph to my line manager and then i still say this i was like I'm so glad I told you about the first sentence. Literally, had never even met. When I was like, "That's it, no, I do stammer. I may not say my words right, but it's, that's just me." And then her response was, "Okay, sure." And then, and literally, that was. And they're the most supportive team. Like I'm now on the on our disability board for the UK, like raising awareness, and they let me host International Stammer Awareness Day in the group. And they were surprised by the by the amount of people who signed up to the event. He stammered or had kids with a stammer, and then they just said, "We just would have never have known absolutely this community." And like BBC now have a community in the BBC with people who stammer, a like an employee network, which is fascinating because to think that there's enough people who stammer to have an employee network. Did you yeah. know that? I didn't. I'm interested in those. Although, although I know a few things that BBC do. I think they do some fantastic things. Of course, I think the interesting thing there is. In a broadcaster, in a broadcaster, they have a support, a network for stammerers. And I think there is something about making stammering just part, making stammering what it is, which is just part and parcel of society. You know, what is it? Two to three people, two to three percent of people will have some form of stammer or speech impediment. You know, that's that's a quite a significant number. And yet, it's not normal. You never, you very rarely see people on television or on radio who have a stammer. And I can understand it a bit, but then again, it means that people like me growing up, or you growing up, or young kids growing up now won't hear people like them. You don't hear people like you. You don't see someone who's like you. It's pretty difficult. 
Yeah, and like and like the BBC have been so supportive of like my story. Like they've shared it everywhere, and like they've shown great in. And I think it's really interesting yourself because Stammer British Stammering Association have done a campaign about displaying stammering in all forms of media. And I was talking to two people at work because the company that I work for is 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 a media ad company. Like she was saying. It is sort of true, like with our client adverts, there could be spaces where we could have had, where we could have a someone with a stammer. Like if it was a bank, you could go up and talk. Like the person going to the till could be someone with a stammer, but you just we don't do that. And it's just really interesting seeing the representation. But also, when I was talking to my popsis, despite being a popsis for years and like having so many different celebrity clients and different clients she said you are the first person who I've come across with a stammer and I found that quite hard to believe or someone working in PR but she said no you are the first person I've ever worked with who has a stammer and I just found that mind-blowing that surely I mean I can the only other person I could think of was the singer Gareth Gates yeah he was he was very he was very honest uh about his stammer and about his uh, his efforts to manage it, uh, but apart from that, you know, there's been the odd documentary, you know, like the young lad he was in educating Yorkshire, whatever it was called, you know. But it, it's pretty rare, and what it and what it always is is it's a challenge to be overcome, and it's the journey of overcoming it. Yeah. And, that's, and that's very powerful and it's very inspiring. What it never is is that this is the end of it. This is the end product. This person is now comfortable with who they are, and they might still stammer. Yeah. That's okay. You never see that. You you never. It's always something to be overcome, and it is. It's something to be managed and to get comfortable with and to understand. But you might still stammer at the end of it. I still stammer on fifty. Yeah, and that and that's okay. That's that's not a failing in it anyway. That's just me being comfortable with me being me. Yeah, like I've had people. So since launching that podcast, I, I've been in touch with uh, people from like, from Nepal and in in, in India, and I'm now part of the Nepal Stammering Association. And I've had people reach out to me and go, can you cure my stammer? And I've gone, whoa. Um, and then I said, so I'm no medical, but you can't really cure. There's no really a cure for stammering. And like, the more you believe in yourself and the more confidence you have in your own stammer, the less likely you're going to stammer. Yeah. And it's basically the more confidence you have, but also the more positive spin you put on it, the more you realise how it's actually not bad. I went to Michael Palin Center and I before hadn't really known what stammering was. And they said, basically, this is who you are. And they showed me the iceberg of, these are the emotions above the iceberg, what people see, but also this is what's below the iceberg of what you feel. And every single word you can go tick, 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 tick. And but she said, people don't see that from me above. So why should you let yourself, knock yourself down from the feelings from below? where most of the time people can't see that, they can only see the top bit. And I've, and actually, I'm doing like the media, like the pandemic has helped my stammer, but also just being involved in the stammer community. And like I mentioned, we came across each other on social media for like different stammering awareness campaigns. When did you first start getting involved in the stammer community? And I had no idea how big this stammer community was no. until I got involved in it. Um, I remember I've been around the edges of it for a good few years. When I was in the civil service, I remember, uh, and again, as a director at the time of a big ops command, I had about 7,500 people work for me in an organisation of 55,000 in total. <clears throat> Being very open about having a stammer was quite powerful. So I've been in and around it, and I've never hidden my stammer. It's only probably in the last year or so where I've begun to recognise that actually I've I've got a responsibility as someone with a stammer who 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 has who has learnt to um, be comfortable with that stammer. That that's actually quite important for people to not not learn about Paul 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 Jarrah because that's not really that that interesting. But what is good is to see somebody like them um, um, visible. So I do a, some work with our own 
in the court we have a represent network that covers all people with disabilities including speech impediments and stammers so i do some work with them i'm doing some work to help uh, the stammer association as well um so and again i think for me it's about uh, i mean i was lucky i was lucky in some respect that um i was i was lucky because of where i came from and it was a very it was it was a family where it, and it was a community where it was normalized and accepted i was lucky that i had my mum who refused to let it affect me and i'm also a bit lucky because my natural um personality is a bit stubborn as my wife would say and therefore i'm not going to let it i'm not going to let it define me uh, it took me quite a long time to get to that point but overall i think i'm lucky but i do remember particularly at secondary school the early secondary school being the isolation of the stammer because it meant that every time you opened your mouth you were going to get mocked you were going to get ridiculed you were going to get you were going to get um things that were going to upset you and therefore often you thought i just won't speak because if i don't speak i can't get I, I can't get ridiculed and therefore i remember that and i think it's come to me in the last few years as i've got very comfortable or as comfortable as i'm gonna be with myself that actually i've got a responsibility to make sure people know that actually there's lots of people that stammer and you can do whatever you want to do and your stammer shouldn't hold you back it doesn't define you it's just a part of you yeah and like we've sort of exchanged like tweets on like social media and i think what's great is to seeing how supportive other people who stammer yeah. aren't other people who stammer and one of my recent guests um Jess Davis from the tick, who's a TikTok sensation from Mimi Darling Beauty. She posted a stem awareness with us, her going for a drive through, and she was saying that like, I want to show the positives of having a stem and like how it's changed, but also for lows and how like people in the drive throughs go, hello, hello, are you still there? And like how knocking it is. Like, one of her videos has, has, has had over 41 million views on it. Oh, and wow. you think of, <laughs> How and, and like it's had over five million likes on, like more than five million likes on that one video. And you think, what better way of like raising awareness? And like she's now reached within only a few months, like two million followers on her channel. And like she's been doing amazing stuff. And like there was one situation where a pizza company, they put their phone down on her. Then and then they said, so sad. Like when she was daring, they the person on the call said. So I sat and put the phone down and then the company saw her TikTok, reached out to her and said, I'm really, we are really sorry what has happened. Would you be okay if we used this as training material? And now they've included it as part of their employee training to show like this, you should never judge a person by their speech, especially if you're taking it online order. And like just having that impact of just showing this is what can happen. I think, I think, I think the other thing for me as well, William Vermeer, is, um, because of what I do, so I run campaigns, you know, I, run, I run public policy campaigns that seek to bring about systemic change. That's, that's what my day job is, that's what I do in the co-op, be it slavery, be it loneliness, be it shop worker violence, whatever it may be. And therefore I understand how you can run a public policy influential campaign. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying others don't, plenty of people do, but I, 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 that's what I do for a day job, I get paid to do that. And therefore, I thought, actually, and particularly with uh, Stammer, I've got skills that will probably be quite useful and quite helpful. And if and if they had to pay for the for the that experience, it costs be quite expensive, and that would take away from other things they do. So, so the other thing that I thought, as well as being sort of very visible and very supportive on online, is also just to say to the team at Stammer, actually. You know, if you think I can be helpful, then I'm happy to do pro bono stuff. And I think, you know, because that 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 can help. You know, it can, help, it, it can help make the the awareness campaign as effective as it can be. They're already a great team. This isn't about you know me changing. Absolutely not. But if I can add one percent of value to it, it's one percent that might that might help. So that's the other thing. Yeah, and like it's fascinating how like, we've both sort of. She was like, download TikTok, you can do great content. And I've never been, I've always been quite scared of launching onto TikTok. And like, we did a video, like, we post, we both posted snippets of the interview. And 
she only posted it the video 24 hours ago and less than that and within the last week Stammer Stories content has been viewed over nearly 80,000 times of us wow. on social media on either podcast streams but does on social media alone has had around like nearly 80,000 views just about the podcast and you think that's 80,000 more people absolutely who have learned about stammering and there's a power of social media. And it's just made me think, what content is there that we can show? And it's free. Like, we don't have any money. Like, I've, I don't spend money on my podcast. I'm just like, this is and this is, all, 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 this is organic content for people to see. But also, people need to see their real-life situations. And I'll never forget my CEO saying to me, it was like, you have more impact sharing your story than someone like me sharing your story for you. It's more poignant coming from a person itself than someone else portraying. Yeah. I, I um, Over the last 18 months or so, um, I've been uh, amongst a, a, some a small number of people, been helping with the work that Marcus Rasher has done. Now, again, the reason Marcus has been successful is that Marcus is quite a remarkable young man. And, and I say that... <laughs> I am slightly biased in that I'm a Manchester United fan and always have been, but you don't you don't have to, you don't have to be a United fan to recognise that what Marcus has done is quite remarkable. Yeah, and and I said I've been, been one, one of the small people who played a small part in helping Martin. That's all a small part. But what really struck me about Marcus is two things: his authenticity. Whatever Marcus people know, what I say what about Marcus, he's authentic. He speaks about his experience, his mother's experience experience of his community you can you can say it's not representative i think it probably is but marcus is authentic that's the first thing and the other thing that i learned from marcus is he said he said at one point we'll just let twitter do do its thing so i remember one one of the techniques that you use in campaigns and public affairs is that you'll is you'll um one of them is a parliamentary petition you have a petition that you can people sign up to you get over 10,000 government have got to respond you get over 100,000 Scotland's got to be the best department you know and, and we've used them before we've worked with Usdor and who's a trade union when we did some shop work violence thing they talk about you know it can take several months to get 100,000 uh, signatures <laughs> Marcus posted it overnight he didn't publicise it until 8 o'clock but what he did is put it on twi- Twitter about 7 by eight o'clock, we had a hundred thousand. Before the end of the day, we had a million signatures, and I think it got up to some ridiculous number. And that's the other thing I learned from watching what Marcus and his team, Kelly, and some some of the other people that support Marcus do, is that it it's Marcus. He's authentic. It's there's no spin. There's no. It's just him. But secondly, he he has a platform through social media. And he uses that platform to its maximum effect for good. And the reason it got, it, I think it was the fastest, the f- first or second fastest parliamentary petition to get to 100,000 and a million. And it was down to, as Marcus said, just let Twitter, Twitter do its thing. And I think that's something that is a really important part of being able to raise, raise awareness. And I can totally agree just by how powerful like a campaign can be and and especially using a platform like i've had people say was like oh like so i've gone oh should i set up a website and they've gone no you've got a platform ready use it and they're like you you got it there i was like you've got following you've got the contacts so you've built your contacts like journalists you've built your contacts with people in public relations this is your platform to do it on because I mean, like, why would you build another platform where you've got one waiting to go? But also, then you've got the shareability and the sort of your own personal brand where people will know who you are and like it's easier for them to sort of exchange. And like, one of the social media platforms that I've been blown away by is LinkedIn. Like, I've like when I've been doing like when I was doing. To my apprentices, I was like when I was a community ambassador for Multiverse, my apprenticeship provider, like the likes for those events, but also when I do any stammer related posts, like they've go crazy. And like LinkedIn's normally a place where it's 
quite small lives depending on what proposal or they can either go big or small. i think yeah I, I i think linkedin is it's interesting twitter and linkedin i think there is a depth to linkedin and the debate you can have there yeah because it's that longer form i think twitter i think twitter can be quite toxic um, yeah but i think it, it is when it's at its best and i saw this with the work that watching the work that marcus did you can see how it can be a force for good um, but again, I, I think on that social media platform, it should be normal that there's people who, st who stammer. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, prob it's probably more normal on social media than it is on mainstream media. Oh, definitely. And, and I, when you look at uh, stammer hashtags on TikTok, there, there are billions of videos about it, but you just wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those topics that. I think it's a seasonal topic. So if there's an article about Joe Biden's stammer, the media flurries about stammering topics. Or like if a, if someone releases a documentary about stammering, then it will flurry. Like when Ed Sheeran did his bedtime story on CBBS about having a stammer, Pete, like stammering Pete. And, and I think it goes through phases, but why should it drop in the middle when other neurodiversity topics are spoken about on a more frequent scale but also are more shown in the media like dyslexia dyspraxic or Tourette's you see that more on a common basis without any bigger sort of pushes on articles however it's more of a when, whenever you see stammering in the media it's more of a oh wow there's an article about stammering rather than it being a just oh there's another article like it's more of a well, it would be great it, it would be great if someone has a stammer isn't news yeah people are used to it you know the fact that ed sheeran has a stammer and ed balls has a stammer and people say oh that's God. imagine that it would be great if actually having the stammer wasn't news because actually yeah. the presenter has got a stammer or the or the arts correspondent has got a stammer or the yeah. sports sports editor has got a stammer so actually in a sense the real progress would be it's not a story yeah because it because people understand it's part it's part of life. Plus, I think, like you said, just showing a real life situation, but also showing the positives of having a stammer. Like I've, like my main focus is my stammer has changed my life for the better. Like it's made me more confident. It's changed yeah. me for who I am. And like you rarely hear about stammering in older, uh, like young adults or adults because you because it's mainly more frequent in children, that's for more of the angle that people go towards. But actually, yeah. there are people who find that they stammer later in life or that aspect's not really spoken about. But sort of going from that, how has the pandemic affected your stammer? Um, I don't think it has, if I'm honest. Really? I think, no, I think, I think I get to the point uh, in my older years now that probably... It, it, no, I don't think it has affected it. Um, I get. I guess the only way it may have done is that um, there's. I spend more time on this kind of camera. I spend more time, you know, as many people will find have found during working from home, which I've done predominantly, is that you're chained to your desk. And therefore, you're probably talking more than than ever now. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't, I don't know. But I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's affected my stammer. That's really fascinating because I think you're the only person who's had that response because I my stammer's been affected by pandemic because of like being in in like the busy London office, like commuting. You're talking all the time, like you're talking to people at the coffee shop or you're talking to people at reception or going up to a lift. And the last thing on my mind was thinking, what was my stomach? And then, like, going to work from home, I, like, pick the phone calls were my worst nightmare, and now phone calls to talk to my team of the new norm. And, like, it was just really weird how I was standing on new words. And then I thought, well, actually, I've got this time right when I'm not commuting, I'm by myself in the same four walls. Why don't I practice saying those words out loud? Right. Yeah. And then I thought, actually... At the same time, you don't really stammer when you talk to yourself. Like you may say those words, same what? When you think about it, like when you say something out loud, you may not stammer, 
like people say you don't sound when you sing or you don't sound when you lip sync or when you speak to yourself you don't stammer which is fascinating because it just shows yeah. like the mind of when you talk to someone else but to round up there's <clears throat> to round up this a lovely episode that you pulled could you give three pieces of advice to to someone who stammers but also three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer oh right um three pieces of advice to people who stammer um work hard work hard at managing it in the way that is right for you and that and what's right for you might not be right for everybody by the way but work hard um at, at getting comfortable with how you speak secondly um seek out role models seek out people who sound like you and they don't have to do the same job as you but seek them out and understand them and keep them in view when somebody rolls their eyes someone finishes a sentence just keep in view that you know george VI had to do it ed sheeran probably has ed balls has you know einstein whoever it is you know keeping view role models and the last thing i would say to people is and it took me a long time to this is give yourself a break you know just just accept accept the wrong word be comfortable with yeah. you as you be comfortable with the fact that you might stammer and if you stammer then you stammer you know it's part of you it's something to 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 celebrate and to be and to be proud of it's nothing it's nothing ever to be worried about um that's what i'd say to people uh, who stammer for people that don't stammer um i would just i it, it will be the same piece of advice three 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 times just think how it feels and then see what see what you do if you struggle to say a word if you if you struggle to articulate and, uh, and allow yourself to be heard how would that feel and then having thought about that think how you then treat the person opposite you would you want your sentences finished would you want your old would would you want those things that if you stammer you've said time and time again so i, I would just say to people who don't stammer just put yourself in the shoes of someone who does and then, wow. and then and then and then take whatever action you want and if you still think it's you know well then you take whatever action you want and and, you, and you'll be judged by that wow those are really good pieces of 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 advice and actually they are all new pieces of advice as well <laughs> right, okay. which is fascinating to hear like but also it sounds boring like, i absolutely love the one about seeking out a role model yeah. And and I just think that's so true because it can make such a difference, but also it can just give you that self-motivation in the harder times. So thank you so much for joining me today, Paul. It's been an it's absolute pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Good. And and hearing your story, but also just your words about advice, but also just what it's like working with Stammer in a public speaking role. And I'm sure that people will be able to look up to the role that you're doing and thinking, well. It, 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 so if you can do that for the court then I'm sure I can do that in my role so thank you for joining and and thank you so much to our listeners for listening to this ep episode make sure as I mentioned we've got some really exciting guests coming on and I'm very excited to see the podcast grow we are now on TikTok where we post uh, snippets from our episodes we post but we also post everyday scenarios <coughs> Let me repeat that because I went into one massive jumble sentence. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this ep episode. As I mentioned, we've got some really exciting guests coming on in, in, in the next few weeks, but also we're very excited to see the podcast grow. We are now on TikTok where we post snippets from our episodes, but also we post everyday scenarios so you can see what it's really like to live with a stammer. And you can see snippets of our of our episode with Mimi Darling Beauty, where we talk about her TikTok journey as well. And we are also on Instagram and Twitter, where we post all our exciting updates and, and facts, so future episodes will be listed on there. But also, we've just launched Stammer Stories V Community, which is a Facebook group for people who stammer from all around the world to share their stories to other people who stammer, to have that grow space network. And all the links are down in, in the description. So see you next time in two weeks. Bye.